Every month, we offer exciting new webinars for our community. Topics include how to use retirement accounts to buy real estate overseas, how to get a second passport in Latin America, why you should sell your stock portfolio and move your money offshore, how to buy beachfront rental properties in Brazil for less than $100,000, or apartments in Paraguay for less than $60,000. If you want to join us for free for these presentations with live Q&A, insider secrets, and exclusive opportunities with my professional network of experts, then go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for free upcoming presentations. expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. We all dream of seeing the world, but the realities of living somewhere outside your place of birth can be daunting to say the least. Welcome to the Expat Money Show, helping you make the most out of your overseas career through conversations with successful expats on investing, entrepreneurship, self-improvement, and continual education, all while sharpening your financial acumen. Now, please welcome your host with over 20 years of overseas experience, Mikkel Thorup. Welcome, welcome, welcome. My name is Mikkel Thorpe, and this is the Expat Money Show. Today, we have a returning guest. He has more than 30 years of experience in this industry, and his first citizenship sale was in 1997. He's a personal friend of mine and been a mentor to me for a number of years. I am very excited to welcome back my dear friend, Laszlo Kiss. Laszlo, how are you? Good, good. Thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, whenever you are saying nice words about me, that I very much appreciate it. I'm very happy <laughs> to hear that. I always say nice words about you. I never say bad things about you. I have to say that. Yes, that's true. Well, today, Laszlo, I want to have you on the program to talk about Hungary. Hungary has come out with a number of new programs and new immigration, and there's some exciting things going on there. So I thought, who better to talk about it than a Hungarian himself? Not only a Hungarian, but also someone who is an expert in investment migration, citizenship by investment, residency by investment, all these types of things. So maybe you can give us a little bit of an overview of the project itself or the programs themselves. And from there, we can start talking about Hungary and lifestyle and safety and a whole bunch of things in regards to this. Not a problem. So thank you very much for the nice introduction. I am Hungarian by birth and by heart also, which means that I am biased a little bit. I, I fully admit that is the case. Probably that applies to many people who love their own home country, whether to move, whether not to move, whether to agree with all the policies and, and everything, fact of life. Uh, you accept it or you don't accept it. And if you don't accept it, then you have a choice. And this is what many, many times you are talking also about that. If you're not satisfied with your own country, you are not that much tied. So all in all, think about moving over and trying to find a place which suits you much better than previously. I think that that is the basic framework of what you are suggesting. And I totally agree with you, by the way. But I didn't take the trouble of moving myself because I, I just enjoy life there. You could ask me why Hungary is in the center of of Europe and it has, especially Budapest has a vibrant life. It is not as expensive. Okay. It's not as cheap as let's say Costa Rica, but compared to other European countries, I would say that it's a very good quality of life could be had for a not so big amount of money. But I visited you in Panama. I had to realize that yes, Panama didn't get cheaper, but in fact, it got quite expensive for the last three, four, five years. And then this kind of price changes could influence people. But still in Hungary, yes, we had an inflation last year, a serious one of around 20%, which pushed up property prices and then killed the mortgage demand and so on and so on. But still, I think that is a very livable city. People have no problem with foreigners in a sense 
Budapest is a very, very cosmopolitan city. Let me give you an example. For example, not just in Budapest, that's the biggest, that's by far the largest city from 10 million people, 2 million people live in Budapest. So that is in a sense a kind of an artificially bigger concentration of finance, economy, industry, government, and so on. But at the end, for example, Hungary has spent a lot of money to develop the English language university tuition system. And now more than 60,000 or 65,000 foreign students study in Hungary. The Hungarian government gives them certain countries 50 or 100 scholarships. And that is with the aim of developing long-term relations because then when you are young and you are in a lively place and you enjoy life, you okay, you have to study also. Let's not forget this, but you just have a kind of a mix. Then you, have, you might have fond memories. And when you are climbing up back at home on the ladder, and then you become uh, really more and more important and those relationships could count. So that was the policy of why foreign students are coming in big numbers. And it is also some kind of a funny fact that the two largest population of students is coming from Iran and from Israel. Okay. And are they getting along? <laughs> they are getting along and we have no such problem whatsoever, really which is quite good. But then the European nation state concept works well. And this is just the refugee crisis, which we had in 2013 and later on, which created a little bit of problem in the society of whether to accept. More than a million people went through Hungary going to Germany from the south. And then we have 10 people and people were simply afraid of what to do. This is like an occupation army. No, the, the refugees were not really violent. They just really wanted to get at one of the best places in Europe, which was either Germany or Sweden. But that was still not something which people like that suddenly just like that, because the prime minister of Germany welcomes them that we have one million immigrants going through the country without any documentation, without anything. And that is why currently the government is not as immigration friendly to illegal migrants. And I do not want to get into politics, especially because quite a lot of the people might be from the US and so on and so on. Do not want to say whom to vote and whom, whose word to accept. But that is the general concept that yes, we have to be a little bit stricter than many other countries in Europe, meaning that now we have, for example, a new immigration law, which came into force on the 1st of January. And every single type of residency visas are now redefined. And the main concept is that the Hungarian government would like to say how much time is permitted for each person. Okay. Big Chinese and South Korean investors are coming to Hungary to build up huge factories, mainly manufacturing car batteries. But the country ran out of manpower. So now we have to import for the 10 million. It is less than, a little bit less than 10 million. We have to import... 400, 500,000 guest workers to find the accommodation. If you think about it, infrastructurally, that's a big job. And that was one reason, for example, then we had to define what are the rules for the guest workers. Do we want let them to remain in the country? Can they bring their families? Whether the policy or what the United Arab Emirates has is not is totally the opposite of what, for example, the Germany has, because in the UAE, as you fully know, then the usual residency permit is for two years, and then you have to leave as soon as you cannot find a job for yourself, and then you are booted out. End of story. There is no 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 court cases, and you cannot run to anywhere. You have to go home, which it doesn't sound nice, but at the end. There is a certain capacity which a country can really use. And if it's overloaded, then the system is overloaded economically, healthcare and so on, education and so on. So we have a new immigration law. 
a brand new one, and because of the high interest rates, killed the mortgage market. Then the property prices stop increasing. Still good, fairly good quality. No renovation needed. Good location place. A square meter or eleven square feet can be had for two thousand five hundred. US dollars or euros approximately. So it's by far from, for example, from Vienna, where the average price is a square meter in Vienna, considering all the residential properties is more than 5,000. So Hungary at the end, the property prices, okay, obviously there are very high quality and very expensive houses and flats, but then it is half than Austria has, which is only 240 kilometers away from us with a car, it's two, two and a half hours. Yeah, so capital city, you're looking at good real estate already finished at around 2,200 euros per square meter. Yeah, 2,200, And If it's a new construction, obviously, then the prices are much higher. But then the mortgages, mortgages are not, not really affordable with that in, with those interest rates, and therefore then the property developers were stuck with projects, newly developed ones, they are not able to sell them easily. And that is why the Hungarian government, based on the model of what Spain and Portugal did in 2010-2011, put a special clause in the immigration law, which would, which would allow foreigners to come to get 10-year residency visa, which is unheard of because usually in, in, uh, in developed countries they are not issuing for 10 years. For 10 years residency visa, which is renewable once, so it total it's 20 years. For a two investment options, it's either 250,000 investment, euros investment. I'm always talking about euros because Hungary is part of, nearly is part of the eurozone. It's not officially part, but the, the, the foreign trade is 80% is except energy is, is done in euros. So 250,000 euros in investment in property real estate investment funds or half a million euros in direct investment in property. It is, in a sense, a little bit of a copy of the Greek system of what Greece has now. And with the problems of the political problems in Portugal, now Greece had the largest number of investment migration. Last year, more than 6,000 applications were filed, and that is a big number. And Hungary, because that said, okay, let's speed up the selling of the properties, the real estate investment funds and the direct investments in government approved projects, then that would hopefully help the developers to get rid of the, the inventory and start again, start again constructing and developing new properties. 20 years, as I said, the, the, it is 10 years after that it's renewable once for 10 years. And why not another 10 years and why not for 40 years? The basic concept, I have to go back, what, which I mentioned that the Hungarian government would like to tell how long somebody can stay in the country. That is, for example, in the low, these kind of investors who invested 250 or half a million, they are called as guest investors. And that is psychologically because then they should be considered as a guest. Even for 20 years, somebody is not really a guest if you could stay in a country for 20 years. Like, no you, doubt. You become a loser <laughs> at the end, which we all know. But that's the concept. That's politics. And this is the governing idea of the government not to allow the illegal migrants to overload the system because we cannot easily afford it. That is also true. Or the Central or Eastern European countries cannot do that. So basically, it's a quarter of a million dollars if done through a fund. Yes. And a half a million dollars if done directly in real estate. Now, with the direct real estate, can it be anywhere in the country? Can it be apartments, land, commercial, residential? Are there stipulations around that? Residential property 
is what is exactly okay. in the law. And the government is expected to produce a regulation defining many, many aspects, procedural aspects, monetary, uh, licensing of who is permitted to do process applications, per, uh, which projects or which is the minimum size for which a project has to satisfy to be on the approved projects list, which needs to be defined. Meaning that currently there is a quite interesting boxing match between property developers that who could be on the list and who couldn't. This is not the same model as, for example, Antigua has, which allowed 40 or 50 or 60 property projects, even though they have only 100,000 people living there. Meaning that, yes, there would be, in our expectations, there would be quality properties, and we shouldn't forget that Greece is always would remain a kind of a competitor to us so that they cannot be so much overpriced because then professionals would say, okay, no, that is not a good place to invest, invest in Greece. And then you would get also a visa in the Schengen area and you would be able to travel and you would be able to live there. Okay, so let's describe what you get. So you have a guest visa to Hungary. Can this lead to citizenship at some point? Is there a process for naturalization? Another one is that a lot of people seem to get confused with the golden visa programs in Europe. They think that if they have a golden visa in one country, they can live anywhere in the Schengen zone, which is, of course, not correct. But some people don't realize the difference between the residency and the citizenship. Okay, let's step back then a little bit of explanation. Golden visa is a famous buzzword, which was, I think, started in Spain, which has a kind of a meaning that fixed rules defined by the government. If you are clean, you invest mainly in property, then you get a certain uh, period of residency in that country, which enables to spend 365 days, how much less is defined in the actual law. In Spain, it is one week per year. In Portugal, it's two weeks in two years. In Greece, it's basically zero days to be spent in Malta, zero days to be spent in Cyprus, zero days to be spent in Hungary also. But between zero and 365, you could remain as long as you want. If you visit other Schengen area countries, which is nearly all the European countries except Ireland, and obviously the United Kingdom is not part of the European Union, then you are able to stay in those countries 90 days from any given 180 days. And it is calculated day by day that you cannot really stay in another country so easily, even though because there are no borders and then nobody is really checking this. You could anytime go to Vienna and you could come back the same time by car and there are no usual border checks, meaning that at the end this rule is not easy to enforce. But if you go out of the area and you come in, that is registered and that is the base for the calculation that how much time you spend. So legally the requirement is maximum 90 days in any other country. And then 90 days here, 90 days in another country, 90 days here, 90 days in another country is a good way how to do it if you have, for example, a, a house in France or in Germany or wherever in Italy. So you have to be careful a little bit about how much time you spend. But then if you are careful, then you could spend the whole year in the European Union. But that is only a stay as a tourist or maybe doing business, but you are not permitted to have work. You are not permitted to have any kind of, usually as a company investment with the fixed place of business, with an office and so on and so on, with you to stay there and you will not qualify 
based on the Hungarian visa, you will not qualify in Germany or in other countries. You have to apply in that specific country for the work permit, for the student permit, if you're a researcher, if you're a scientist, if you're a sports person, all the different rules apply. So yes, it is for tourist purposes and partly business. Yes, it is working that you could travel and you could stay one week, one month here, and you could move, you could move. But at the end, there are restrictions on this, as I mentioned. So... Obviously, when you have an EU passport, you can live in the other countries. I want everybody to understand. If you have an EU citizenship and a passport, then you can live in neighboring countries. If you only have a residency for one of these countries, then you can visit the other ones, but you can't get, I don't know, a Portuguese and then live in France or something like that for 365 days. No, you can't. You you can do the 90 days as a tourist and you move to another country for another. You come back to Hungary and then you go to France for 90 days and then you come back to Hungary. You go to Italy for 90 days and so on and so on. So, yes, there is a little bit of movement, but it is not the same. By far, it is not the same as the citizenship, which if you become a citizen of the European Union, you would have full movement rights. So there is no it's like in the United States, let's say, or in Canada, that you could move between the country to any any of the states or territories because then there are no restrictions. There couldn't be any kind of restrictions, no work restriction, no, no investment restriction, and so on and so on. So at the end, that is different. Now in Hungary, because I didn't answer your question, and thanks for reminding me that I was missing that. As I mentioned, we have a fairly new law. Many, many aspects of different immigration possibilities. Again, sports people, students, guest workers, scientists, EU officials, whatever it is, soldiers, for example, NATO soldiers, then it is defined on different levels. We are now looking at the new immigration law and it, it seems, and I cannot confirm it because it's only the 18th of January and we would need official clarification, whether a certain permit is possible for the people who are investing in the golden visa program, the 250,000 or a half a million. This I cannot confirm yet because then it was not confirmed by the government, so I do not want to promise anything. It seems that maybe there would be a possibility to convert it into permanent residency. It would be a different residency permit. And with that, sooner or later, you are you can stay in Hungary. And after eight years of permanent residency, you could apply for the citizenship. You have to pass a constitutional exam and the language exam, except if you are above 60, because then the constitutional exam will not be necessary. But you have to, so you have to learn a bit of Hungarian. In fact, it's not a little bit, you have to study, this is my calculation, around the month to speak in Hungarian so that then you could pass the exam as a minimum, if you want to. Only a month of study? Well, From my understanding, Hungarian is like one of the most difficult languages on planet Earth because there's nothing that's the same as Hungarian. Look, the system requires you to live in Hungary to become as a permanent resident and continue your life to integrate yourself in the society. And if you do so, then you are going to shops, you are going to cinemas, you are going to theaters, wherever you are going, talking to cab drivers or whatever, then you could very easily learn a language and that would be enough. You do not need anything else. Now, if you do not stay, you do not live in the country, yes, that is not so easy, I admit. Because from my research of Hungary, the language is like no other language. The legal system is like no other legal system. Hungary is quite a kind of a unique place. Like it doesn't follow the standard civil law. It doesn't follow common law, obviously. But I mean, their legal system is kind of a mixed match and it has a lot of its own flavor in there, right? Yes, because it is coming from history. 
for the states or the countries to remain independent. And we had a very bad past. I mean, if you if you go back in history, like three, four hundred years, constant wars, constant wars, constant wars. And then I think that is the reason why the nation state concept was developed, that that is one entity where you belong to that entity as a nation and you are not part of the other nations, which means a little bit of, how should I say, um, negative opinion about the country surrounding you, because then 50 years ago you were fighting with that one and 50 years ago you were fighting, 100 years ago you were fighting with that one. So let's keep our nation intact. And that is the reason why Hungary is not as immigrant friendly or was not immigrant friendly, because then the whole concept was based in the nationality of the people. That is why after the First World War, Hungary lost two thirds of its territory. So then Romania got a very big territory. Then Czechoslovakia was formed. Then it was the Yugoslavia part went to Austria also. So at the end, we lost two thirds of a territory. And then kind of interesting story that in 2010, the Hungarian government said that yes, Anybody whose ancestor, any of the ancestors were born in the territory of Hungary, even four generations or five generations ago, are able to apply for Hungarian citizenship in a simplified way. It is just a documentation. And then more than a million citizenship was granted to Hungarian. But you have to know that more than two thirds of the territory we lost nearby our borders with huge Hungarian minorities. So that was the political aim. So yes, and when that happens, obviously, many intelligent and clever people or people with bad intentions try to get creative documentation to try to satisfy the system. And therefore, then in certain countries, that was a booming business. But now the language exam is become harder exactly so that the criminals cannot use it easily. I have private clients who are studying Hungarian right now because we're working on their citizenship through Ancestry. I've got a number of clients right now. Actually, I've got one client who the wife and the son have been approved, but he hasn't yet been approved. So he needs to like start studying a lot more. And what kind of coincidence? Because the Hungarian investment funds cannot be sold to Americans so easily. SEC regulation or, or exemption is needed. Two or three hours ago, I was talking to a U.S. law firm of how to do it properly and how to do it by the book so that we, could, we do not want to really have any kind of problem with the SEC at the end. It's not really worth the trouble, but we expect quite a lot of U.S. citizens to come like in Portugal, like in Greece. And then the, the gentleman was from Hungary two generations away. I mentioned that whatever our business would do, I would be more than happy to have in getting the Hungarian citizenship, which he didn't hear about, but that is a valid concept for some of the people whose ancestors really lived in the countries. And there is also another funny story, if I could say, that there is a small village in the northeast part of the Ukraine, where there is a guy, that is a story, by the way, that he became a citizen of five different countries even though he didn't move out from his village. Nice. <laughs> because since 1918, then the, then the borders moved, the borders moved five times, and therefore he has different citizenship, even though he was sitting at the same place. Well, that is history. And that is what needs to be understood why immigration law, citizenship, and so on and so on are developed in this level. Well, we need to talk to Denmark at some point and have them do a citizenship by ancestry because I would like to get from my ancestral home <laughs> of Denmark a citizenship, unfortunately. I check every like three or four years and it's like, nope, 
nope, still nope, still nope. So it'd be pretty interesting to have ancestry or to have the borders changing and be valid for multiple citizenships. It is a fascinating topic. When people started to come 10 years ago for to me to 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 really to find out then, okay, was in 1939 that village part of Hungary or still belong to Romania? Yeah. And so on. So it was fascinating, by the way, to find out really and, and to look back to history and how, how everything happened and whether that person was happy and, and lucky or maybe not. So let's talk a little bit about Hungary as a whole. So let's talk about, okay, a lifestyle aspect, a safety aspect. You said it was cosmopolitan, maybe the food. Give us a little bit of flavor of what life is like in Hungary. If someone was listening to today's episode and they want, you know what, I think I want to go and spend a bit of time there every year and get a residency. Yes, I think that I need to divide Hungary into two parts. One is the cosmopolitan Budapest life, and the other one, everything remaining, even though we have slightly bigger cities, like let's say 200,000 or 300,000 population, but again, 300,000 is not really, especially compared to China, even to the United States, that is not really a big size at all. Usually those cities are big because they have universities where Quite a lot of money is coming through the students. For example, the place where I was born is Seged, which has 120, 130,000 people. Half of the economy is tied to the university, everything. And that is cosmopolitan also because then foreign students would like to go to have different restaurants. They want to live and they do not want to move to Budapest for 200 kilometers to travel to have fun. So that is slightly different. But otherwise, it's a quite quiet life. Hungary has the largest lake in Central Europe called Lake Balaton. And lots of lots of Hungarians have holiday homes there. Which is rent, which they can rent, and then even in the summer, which now is quite warm at the end, in fact, could be very hot, or in the summer or in the autumn, depending on the weather, is a very, very nice and relaxing type of a place if somebody wants to move there. Lots of lots of German, Dutch pensioners move to Hungary because it's safe. You were asking about the safety. Yes, okay, you have to be careful, obviously, in a big city, pickpockets and all the others. Robberies are definitely not common. With a special car. Okay, there are certain parts which you have to be careful to go only with a car and not walking at 11 p.m. at night. But otherwise, countryside, it's quite safe if you choose well. And then the property prices didn't increase so much. So all in all, it was a good investment for the pensioners. And because Hungary doesn't tax pensions, there was no tax liability for them. So it's one thing that they got the money in euros on the price level of Germany, but then they saved also the, the, the personal income tax. So no wonder that they came because they felt it's safe. And there were people who said that, look, Hungary doesn't view positively on the illegal immigrants, while Germany has just the opposite policy. I feel safer. Again, my opinion doesn't count because I do not want to watch my opinion. It is really basically irrelevant. But then many people really use that the same way as the Germans and Scandinavians moved to, moved to Spain and Portugal as pensioners. Now Hungary is very positively viewed. There is private healthcare, which is quite important quite for many people. Private healthcare operates in a quite good level and waiting lists, okay, a month or two when you have a serious operation. While the government healthcare system, yes, obviously that cannot be as good as the private one. There is a big distinction. And therefore you could get a, for a nominal amount of money, the government healthcare system, you could enroll it and then you would be able to qualify for nearly everything. You have to live in Hungary for that. And you have to pay like $35, $40 per month for that healthcare system. And that theoretically covers everything. 
But then, because there are waiting lists, that, but the same in United Kingdom, even that is a much affluent, much more affluent country. So safety-wise, I would say Budapest is is fairly safe. I was never really had any kind of problem in Budapest, not in the countryside. Lots of foreigners are moving in because of that. And I feel that because the guest workers would lose a lot if they do not behave, if I may say so, and I do not want to hurt anybody's feelings, that we do not also do not expect anything coming from people who just temporarily are in Hungary, the same way as Dubai is handling them. And there is a warning that, okay, don't do it. And then you would be able to earn money for your for your family, but then you behave yourself. And that's very good. No problem whatsoever. What about cost of living? Let's talk a little bit about cost of living. Like, let's say young person want to come over single versus maybe a family of four, husband, wife, two kids. As an indication, the monthly net salary, it's for office type of jobs on a higher level or economists and so on and so on is around 2000 euros. And the house prices are totally different, but the rental prices cannot go so high because then at the end, people would just simply try to find another place. So at the end, from 2,000 euros, then you could live quite well. Hungary was always a big manufacturer of agricultural goods, and therefore, food is definitely not expensive. Okay, there are obviously places where it is expensive, but otherwise you could go to fairly, very, very famous markets, covered markets, where Hungarians are going to buy their own food. And then the supply is very good, that the quality is extremely good. Hungary has lots of sunshine and we have rains. So all in all, it is the, the taste of a Californian paprika or certain dietary products are not as good as in Hungary. Then it is confirmed by many, many Americans who are coming. And then it tastes, it tastes as real and not as part of artificial, which is also important because then you have to have a breakfast, you need to have a dinner. So all in all, what you eat is very, very important. Public transport is very, very well developed in Budapest. In fact, we have a tram line which has the largest number of individuals per any given day in Europe as a traffic. So all in all, it works well. And one ticket costs one US dollars. Very affordable. It is affordable. The, the monthly pass is, I think, 30 US dollars. So at the end, it's not ex- uh, living if you are a little bit careful. Of course, you could spend any amount of money on two-star Michelin restaurants. We have them. If, so if, if that is it, the Hungarian restaurant sector is also, especially in Budapest, in the countryside, there is not too much of a demand. demand. But in Budapest, even the food and so on and so on, you have variety and there are many, many good places. And it's not expensive. Super exciting news. We just released our first in a series of expat guidebooks. These are in-depth country guides on how to move to another country, and the first one released is Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico. It took us over two years to compile all the research and write this book on Mexico, and coming in at 475 pages, you can really see how much work has gone into this. It's a complete guide on everything you need to know if you want to move to Mexico including where to live, immigration, taxes, lifestyle, buying property, how to get a driver's license, and a million other things you would never think you need the answers to. You can find the book directly on Amazon by searching for Expat's Guide on Moving to Mexico or go to expatguidebooks.com, which will take you to our online shop where you will find the book. Go to expatguidebooks.com. That's expatguidebooks.com. 
So let's say a, a one person would be a nice life at about 2,000 euros a month. What about for a family of four? Family of four doesn't need too much more because then the largest cost, the housing. Public transport is not expensive, as I said. Healthcare is not expensive, as I said. School for primary and secondary school and Hungarian speakers, university is also free of charge. So then, especially if, let's say, the mother, if I could say the mother and the father is both of them are working or getting some occupation where they get money, they can comfortably have a life from, let's say, 3,000 euros. Okay, fair enough. It's not a very small amount of money, but still, it's also nothing. Try to get away in the United Kingdom to live as a four-member family from 2,400 pounds sterling. That will not be easy at all. Yeah, no kidding. Housing is not as expensive, and that is a basic thing. And property prices are not as expensive. So the rental fees for the shops are also not as expensive. So there is not so much of a cost level for shops is smaller, and therefore they can sell the goods cheaper. One of the other questions that comes up a ton with my consulting clients is people are looking for food independent, water independent, and energy independent countries. We talked about the food lots of agricultural products there. You also mentioned the lake there, a lot of rain. So I would assume that you actually have quite a bit of fresh water on site. Is that correct? It is definitely the case. The Danube is going flowing through in Hungary and it's quite long, by the way, the Hungarian part. And we have also a fairly big river called uh, Tisza, which is also, so we are, we have enough water, I would say. If we are talking, definitely we have enough water at the end. We do not want to export it. We are, ex I mean, the Danube is exporting the water itself as a river. But for energy, the Hungarian government is now constructing a big, we have a big nuclear power station, which is producing, I think, 200,000 megawatts. And then we are now putting another one. And all in all, that would be definitely for, for residential consumption and also for the newly coming industrial investments, which also need electricity. We do not have a problem with electricity. The only problem we have is that, unfortunately, we are a little bit more tied to the Russian pipelines coming through the Ukraine or from other places. I do not want to hide the bad things because that is not as positive, but nothing is perfect, I would say, in the world. I mean, I never found it such a perfect place. Well, let's talk about the geopolitics a little bit. Like you're right next to Ukraine. You know, geopolitically, you guys are probably a little bit more friendly to Russia, certainly than some of the other European countries that are out there. Geopolitically, how safe do you feel in Hungary? I would say that well, yeah, it could be a long debate, by the way. I try to shorten it, right? Okay. Nearly all... The, Hungary doesn't have a sea. And therefore, we have to import basically the energy, oil and gas via pipelines. In the old communist times, everything came from the Soviet Union, meaning that everything came, let's say, through the Ukraine. Now... The Ukrainians, like 10 years ago, there was a case where then they didn't pay enough for the energy which they consumed, so the Russians stopped the tap. And then we suffered because then we have a huge, by the way, reservoirs, which can be filled. It costs money because then you put your, your, your it needs financing. But at the end, we have very huge reservoirs. So for before the winter, it's completely filled. And if we, we have no, not a very, very harsh winter, then that is enough till uh, spring comes. Meaning that at the end, with a little careful planning, we have enough energy, but still, unfortunately, then we are much tied to the Russian source of gas and oil. Unfortunately, it is not easy to get the oil other way because then we have a pipeline to the Adriatic Sea through Croatia, but Croatia tried to double the price for the shipping. 
Bulgaria, which is coming from the south, also try to double the price for the shipping from Poland. It's quite far away and it takes a little bit of time to get. So all in all, yes, that is, we do not have any kind of shortage, but energy prices are not as low as they can be. And what about being next to Ukraine? I know it's going to be one of the first questions that people ask. There's a lot of conflict going on there. Do you feel like anything could ever spill over the border? When uh, Let me start with a personal story. I think it was March, end of March 2022, when the Russians started the attack in February. And I, as a part-time job, I'm representing a small Black African country, the Republic of Seychelles in Hungary. I've been doing that since 1998. And I got the request to get uh, Seychelles family over the border from the Ukraine to Hungary. So I first hand, I saw how people are coming, coming, coming from the Ukraine. Historically, there is a Hungarian minority in the Western side of the Ukraine. And I have to tell, and, and I, we could get into debate, but that's a fact that the Ukrainians, because of the huge Russian minorities, didn't want to give as much freedom to the minorities as they should have done. And that if they do not give it to the Russians, they cannot give it to the Hungarians. Language use, for example, in the primary schools, secondary schools, in the justice system, which is important, that you do not want to lose your identity and you do not, you do not want to become an Ukrainian because you have been, your family have been Hungarian for 300, 500 years. And that created animosity between the two countries. That is definitely the case. So energy dependence and not so good relationship with the Ukraine didn't really allow us to be big friends of Ukraine on the political level. I have no problem. We have Ukrainian, Hungarian, Ukrainian colleagues who are working with us. No problem. For me, it's basically irrelevant. It's the person who counts and not the nationality, not the citizenship. But politically, yes, the Hungarian government chose the route of having a safe energy supply and defending the rights of Hungarian minorities. And that is why Hungary is one of the most tied country politically to Russia than the others. Because it's one of those weird situations between Turkey and Hungary, both NATO countries, but kind of friendly to Russia at the same time. And then you compare that to some of the other NATO countries, which are just complete hawks and are just like vilifying anything and everything, whether right or wrong, I'm not here to talk about, but I just mean the overall outlook on anything touching Russia is just unbelievable from some countries. But Turkey and Hungary seems to be okay. So far, so good. I do not expect any serious change. You remember when the Germans wanted to be the gas distributors for Europe and they built these two pipelines to, their, to Russia called the Nord Stream. And they wanted and they killed the southern route, for example, for Hungary and for Poland and from Romania. And then now they are also suffering. So at the end, as an individual, I cannot really easily see the Germans as, unfortunately, as a, as people suffering because they were also part of this geopolitical game of how to work with Russia, how to work with the old Soviet Union countries and try to get advantage out of it for their own industry, which is suffering now because then they had to turn to completely forgetting the Russian source of energy. And we, as a small country, cannot do that, unfortunately. We cannot afford that. And even the Germans, all their nuclear power stations, even though they need the energy, extremely, but no, 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 green power, green power and green power. Anyway, that's a long topic. Well, I think it's a funny topic, though. I mean, they close down all their nuclear power plants because they want to be green. And then what do they do? 
They end up having to cut down their forests and make wood pellets to burn because they're all freezing to death in their houses. So they're importing massive amounts of wood pellets. They're cutting down trees. They're doing all these things that destroy the environment. And actually, we have nuclear power, which has proven to be one of the cleanest energy sources in the world. And it's the most efficient by far. The energy that's produced via a nuclear power plant, you would compare that to wood pellets or pick a green one, pick windmills or something like that. You would need a ridiculous amount of windmills to be able to provide the same power source. It's just it's just not a viable option whatsoever. And the US is laughing at because they can sell the liquefied gas. Qatar is laughing at Europe and so on. So anyway, we do not have a boring life. That is definitely true. Going back to your original question, Hungary doesn't have any kind of security concerns. No planes are flying all over us. That the war is definitely far away, like 600, 800 kilometers away from our borders. It influences our economy. It influences not the daily life, but at least the political situation. And then otherwise, it is not really a consideration when somebody wants to move to Vienna or to, or to Romania or to Hungary. That is usually not a problem. That doesn't even. Well, I have a client of mine who is from Finland, and he was showing me the energy prices of his home that had gone up something like 500%, 600% last year. So you don't have the same type of energy crises in Hungary that some of these other countries do, then, I suppose. Due to their stupid policies, if I may add, that's my private opinion. And we could again debate long time or what is the best way to take. Hungary is unfortunately cannot be independent only with the nuclear stations. That gives a freedom, by the way. But then you still need the gas, you need the oil because of the manufacturing capacities using energy and using the, the plastics and so on and so on. So it has to be a kind of a balance. But then I think in Western Europe, the balance totally disappeared. It is just really a very narrow-headed, a narrow-minded way of thinking of what we, we are facing. And then our prime minister which many people do not like, doesn't want to be politically correct in many things. Yeah. Do you want to talk about them for a little bit? Because I think they're quite a character. That it, He's a quite a character. By the way, he was part of the young movement which played a big part in breaking down communism. I do remember in 2088 when they were uh, marching against the Soviet system and they were hit by the police and then they were beaten and so on and so on. And in two years' time, they came into power. So anyway, we have funny stories. Well, maybe give a little bit of a, a bit more of a breakdown on him because maybe a lot of Americans don't really understand, but I mean, very outspoken. I think that the same concept is coming from the nation-state concept. If we merge ourselves into this big melting pot, which is the European Union, we would lose our own identity. And because lots of us, the animosity between the Balkan countries and Hungary and Romania, old historical problems do not disappear. And then th that is something which historically we have to explain to Americans that it is not as easy Serbians and Croatians, as a general way of expressing, they fought with each other for 500 years. And they did that also in 1992. So those things are coming up. So you have to remain independent and individual-minded. You cannot do the same as France and Germany did, that they just nearly merged their economies and free movements and everything is free because then they can move. Still, I do not think that every German loves the French and vice versa. And we are not even talking about UK or England and so on and so on. So to keep this national identity, quite often you have to fight with the Brussels bureaucrats. 
who think that they know what to do. They know everything and they try to direct their lives. But as a small country, our prime minister found the marketing niche, if I could say so, and I hope that this interview doesn't go to the Hungarian press or whatever, but that is, I think, is a fair summary, that it is a kind of a, a niche in politics that, yes, we do not want to be politically correct. If we have a nation state, we do not want illegal immigrants. They can apply for asylum. Let them do it. Another long topic, long topic, long topic. Teachings in primary school and secondary school of propaganda and so on and so on, which is completely forbidden above the age of 18. Anybody can study anything below 18. The government, government education system doesn't allow the spread of LGBT thinking, which we could argue back again, what is good, what is not good and what should be done. But we try to be individuals. And then because that really shows that the Brussels power makers cannot really force their decisions on Hungary or on smaller countries, because every country has one vote for many matters in the European Union, our prime minister showed an example that yes, it can be used. Every country has a vote in the United Nations. This is what I was taught 20 years ago, that that's a very important concept, that even small countries can really sometimes defy the big countries' requirements if they feel that, yes, that is right, and maybe the other is completely wrong, which in certain aspects, yes, definitely, I think that's the case. And that's why he is loved in many circles in Western Europe also, in the United States. Do not want to get into US politics at all because I would keep my mouth shut. <laughs> but at the end, yes, he is politically not correct and he doesn't want to be politically correct. And it is sometimes not a bad thing to have clear minds, clear speech. No, sorry, bullshitting. That's good. It's good. I'm a fan of anybody who's a thorn in Brussels side. So I think it's hilarious to kind of listen to him talk. And, and Orban, what he does is just like some of the stuff. It's just, it's just hilarious because he's just, it's like he just does not give a shit like he just says whatever it's so different than so much of politicking that you see around the world that's a kind of a summary and brussels is making so many mistakes by the way that it is not so hard by the way to find the weak points but anyway that's a long story and a long conversation by the way Okay, let's talk a little bit about taxes. Let's talk a little bit from the personal side and the corporate side, because Hungary actually has some really interesting tax programs. Let's get into this a little bit. It's not a miracle that, yes, we have quite a lot of foreign investment, which is quite good, by the way, and long-term manufacturing investments we have. And one of the reasons, not the only one reason, but one of the reasons is that the corporate tax is 9%. Only, it's flat. Flat tax, exactly. For certain activities like energy production and so on and so on, there are the, or, or financial activities, banking, insurance, there are additional surcharges, surtaxes. But then the general tax, for example, for my own company is 9%, which is, I think, is a very, very good deal. Personal income tax is 15% flat, meaning that if you have a pre-tax profit of your company, and you want to take the money through dividends, completely taxed, everything is by the book, everything is white. You pay a top 25% on the corporate and the personal level as a total. And that is very advantageous compared to many, many other countries. Okay, I cannot compete Panama's situation, but let's not forget that we have the internal market of 400 million people, which is easily accessible, just get on a car and I go from one end to the other. I can start the company. I can do many, many things with the economies of scale. And therefore, the Hungarian tax system is very much favorable. And as I mentioned, pensioners do not have to pay tax on their pensions, Hungarians or foreigners. I'm not... 
talking about the foreign tax aspects of those Germans, because that is, again, a totally different topic I do not want to mention. But in Hungary, they are tax-free. Yeah. And when you compare it to some of the other European countries, that is an insanely attractive rate. Okay, it's not a tax haven. It's not zero tax. But a 9% flat tax is not too bad. 30% nearly is the average in the European Union. If we do not calculate with the Eastern European states, we said that when we got into the system, we had to remain competitive. And with 30%, we cannot be competitive. So that was not really too much of a choice than, than a lower corporate tax rate. Personal income tax in Spain, the highest rate is more than 50%. Now it's 15.15 and not 5.0. That's a huge difference, I would say. Exactly. People always think about Scandinavia when they think about high taxes, but actually Spain has one of the most aggressive tax systems in the world. It's pretty disgusting. And you have to know, by the way, just Spain as a small remark, in Spain, after the audit, on the first level, when the, when the tax office publishes its opinion, then the bonus for the tax office workers is due after the first resolution of the tax office. Yeah, wow. You know why it's important? Because this has nothing to do with what the court would say. So they have an incentive to find everybody who is coming near to them and to find and, and to dream up certain things. Okay, many times they are obviously right. But then the tax system have certain disadvantages, not just the actual tax rate, but how it is enforced and how it's done. In Portugal, which is loved by so many people, they had this non-habitual, or they still have this non-habitual tax system that certain foreign income is not taxable, except if it is coming from a low tax jurisdiction, as a general rule. But you have to be a resident in Portugal to apply for this. And now the waiting time for an interview is one and a half years in Portugal. Yeah. Exactly. It is not marketed. It is not, not mentioned to the people with so many foreigners. And then because every second year you have to renew the residency permit. Come on, Hungary offers a 10-year residency permit. That's like that. Even if you passport majors, which in Europe usually is a requirement for you to have a new residency card, in Hungary it's expressly written in the law that even if your passport majors, then the residency card remains the same. You do not have to go and you don't have to renew it. Well, if people want more information about the new residency programs that are happening in Hungary, we're going to set up a special email address. It's expat at discussholdings.com. D-I-S-C-U-S holdings.com. Okay. Expat at discussholdings.com. What other information can you give us kind of about the program or things that people will need to keep in mind or maybe some documents of the process, just anything random where you think, you know what, someone needs to know this before they contact you about more information. I think that the documentation side will not be a big problem. We would require a clean criminal police certificate, whether it's FBI certificate or high school in many countries is different. But at the end, that's a requirement. Birth certificate, marriage certificate, divorce certificates, health insurance, which can be bought by a very low amount of money. After the residency permit is issued, then a residential address must be obtained. But there are many people who are providing for people who do not intend to live in Hungary. They provide the convenience address, which can be used for official correspondence. And that is not a problem for a small amount of money. If you want to live in Hungary, obviously you would rent or buy a flat or house for yourself, whatever you need. 250,000 property investment fund or half a million euros in uh, the uh, house or the residential property. And you have to, one important thing is that you have to deposit the money first, the cash on a bank account. 
Now the Hungarian government would appoint certain banks to how to handle the transaction. So it, you cannot deposit the money at anybody. So that the risk of, of a theft, let's say, for a hotshot lawyer who has problems and just his customer's money will not exist, which is important, I think, in our business. Then after the residency permit is issued, then the investment is done. So it's very, very convenient. And we expect that the, except the document collection phase is three months would be the processing time. You have to know also something which I forgot to mention that Hungary had a very, very successful residency program, which was a residency bond program from 2013 to 2017. More than 6,000 successful applications, successful family applications came and everything went well and they got permanent residency. And that was very famous. Now Hungary is much more well known in immigration circles as a trustworthy jurisdiction, which is very important now that at that time, we lost one year till we built up the reputation of Hungary. Yes, the applications are processed. They are coming out. Everything has promised. Now that it is not needed because then it's natural that it will be done according to the old system also. So then people could expect not a year's processing time. What is going on with Portugal? One and a half years to wait for the interview to go there. No, that nonsense is not working this way in Hungary. Well, this is an extremely important point because we work in so many different immigration programs and, and Laszlo, you and I partner on a bunch of them and, and help a ton of clients through this type of thing. But there's such a big difference between finding some random law at a country does that hypothetically you might be able to get residency. We're talking about an established country that has a track record of actually honoring residency permits. You know, like you said, it's over 6,000 under the previous program of successful applicants. That's a huge, huge win for the country because sometimes these new countries, they bring out programs, then it's like, are they actually going to approve them? Are people actually going to be accepted? And you see stuff on blog articles or random YouTube videos talking about them. And it's just like, okay, it might be a change to the law, but that doesn't mean that it has anything to do with reality. This is a country where if someone has been thinking about moving to Europe or wanted access to Europe, wanted to be in a country which was safe, that had a good cost of living, that was food independent, water independent, that had good energy infrastructure and access to power and natural gas and these types of things, here is a program. Here is a legit program that works. Also, if I can add something, Hungary is very well served by low-cost airlines. UK, two and a half hours. Madrid, three hours time. Three hours at 20 minutes to Lisbon. Estonia, it's Turkey. It's Greece, Athens, and so on and so on. In the summer, obviously, because of the holidays, it's even better. So all in all, it's very well served with low-cost airlines. And therefore, the travel within Europe also from Hungary is also very, very, very convenient and very, very easy. No border controls and so on, this kind of nonsense. So yes, it works. And we do not have, we have, I think, much less meltdowns than in more developed countries outside of the European Union. Yeah, exactly. So a good hopping off spot to go and explore the region. And if you like to travel and see history and culture and things like that, then lots and lots of options right at your doorstep. Rome is less than two hours time. Malta is two and a half hours time and so on and so on. So it's easy. Paris is less than two hours flying time. That's wild. Yeah. Munich is one hour time. Vienna is 240 kilometers away only by driving. The rail network is being improved from Hungary to Vienna and then from the Western European rail system could be also used. So it's a very, very big advantage that, yes, the, the travel costs are not as expensive as in many other countries. Well, and I know there's a lot of cruises that go up and down the river that are supposed to be very beautiful as well. 
booming business. Budapest is a very beautiful city. If you look up on the internet that you see the pictures, then you would see that, yes, it has a very nice old style architecture. I personally rather like than the modern one with the chrome and glass and all this nonsense and the concrete. But it has an old style, which is loved by many, many people who come to enjoy. And then it is because it's not expensive. Huge number of tourists are coming and then huge number of buses are going all around Budapest trying to show the city because it's also beautiful, full of history also. Amazing, Laszlo. Super, super interesting conversation today. Thank you very much for talking to us and sharing about your home country as well as your work in immigration through this program. If you want to give the email address where they people can reach out to you for more information, please go ahead. I'm more than happy to help. It's expat, E-X-P-A-T, at discussholdings.com, D-I-S-C-U-S, holdings.com in one word. Perfect. Laszlo, I will talk to you very soon, and thank you very much. Thank you very much. Greetings for everyone. Bye. For those interested in moving to another country, I highly recommend learning the local language before you arrive. After traveling for the last 23 years straight, I have seen many people fall into the expat bubble trap. This is where you move to a new country and you only talk to people from the USA or Canada and you are unable to make local friends. The best way to combat this is by having an understanding of the local language. And the best program I have ever seen for this is StoryLearningCourses.com. These are the programs I use to go from very crummy language skills to fluent in no time flat. The courses are fun and easy to understand and most importantly, really work. No matter where you are in your language learning abilities, go to storylearningcourses.com. That's storylearningcourses.com to learn more. This episode may be over, but your journey to greatness continues by visiting our webpage and signing up for our newsletter. For convenient access to new episodes, show notes, and other crucial resources, visit expatmoneyshow.com. We look forward to you joining us on the next episode of the Expat Money Show. Safe travels. I have managed to secure exclusive rights to a block of villas in one of the hottest up-and-coming regions in my current home country, Panama. Join me Saturday, May 4th at 10 a.m. Central, 11 a.m. Eastern Time for our special presentation called Investors Workshop, capitalizing on the globally recognized resort brand coming to Panama. We will discuss how the tourism landscape in this region will change rapidly upon the public announcement of this project and how I have secured the rights for my clients to capitalize on this opportunity before anyone else. Thanks to my connections in the region, I have negotiated pricing that front runs everyone else. Think early, early bird pricing. From gourmet restaurants to vibrant clubs, poolside activities, and even live bands, this resort is going to pump some serious life into the region. But this isn't what excites me or what should excite you either. The exciting part is that these world-class amenities and top brand will attract tens of thousands of tourists. Tourists who will fork over top dollar to stay at our investment properties. Register free at expatmoney.com forward slash webinars. That's expatmoney.com forward slash webinars to register for this free real estate workshop. See you on May 4th at 10 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Go to expatmoney.com forward slash webinar.